Welcome to United Talk, where we talk Atlanta United. My name is Kyle Soto. I'm with Jackson Popkin. And Jackson, just tell me how you feel about being a credentialed media member. That was an experience. Honestly, like, one of the wildest days of my life. Just walking into Mercedes-Benz, where I'd normally be in a kit, scarf, hat. But instead, I'm walking in like I'm in the first day of the second grade, (laughs) wearing a book bag. Um, Yeah, the rumors are true. There is an ice cream uh, stand in the press box. Who knew? It's a great resource if you're uh, <laughs> if you need some ice cream. But yeah, it was a you know great first game for you to get, be in the press box for the first time. I thought is like it doesn't really get much more exciting than that in terms of like storylines and just like opening day feelings. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty cool that you were able to get in there. Um, so for today's episode, we're going to be talking about we're just reviewing Atlanta's opener versus SKC. Um, just a little bit, and then we'll get into previewing Atlanta's away trip to Colorado and playing the Colorado Rapids at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. And then we have an interview with Matt Pollard, who is the site manager and beat reporter for uh, Last Word on Soccer for the Rapids. He also hosts the Holding the Highline podcast, and he is involved with the Last Word SC Radio, which is kind of like you know their MLS-centric uh, podcast. So Stick around for that. It should be a pretty insightful interview. Um, so, yeah, we can just go ahead and start breaking down the SKC game. So, um, you know, three goals, 3-1 three, win. Luis Araujo with the first goal picks up that injury, and now we know he's out for about four weeks. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, the Dom Dwyer redemption arc, <laughs> Daniel Shallowy, he gets that late goal, and then Caleb Wiley kind of seals the three points. Um, just what are your overall thoughts? Yeah, overall, like, what was that? That was the first home opener that Atlanta United has won um, in their six-year history. So that's crazy to see um, Atlanta United get off to such a fiery start to the season. I know, like, the first few minutes was a little, like, testy, like, people really, like, finding their footing in the game. But, like, once they were in it, they were in it. And uh, Luis Arujo with that goal, um, the injury, we can, I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later, but for now, like, looking back at the replay, um, it seems like on that chip, his foot kind of drug into the turf, and that's where he injured the hamstring. Like, you, it's like the celebration kind of zooms in on his face, and you can see him wincing. It's just like, darn. But, um, yeah, the Dom Dwyer just, oh, my goodness. He's subbed in, and I'm just like, man. He's got an hour to, like, do something. And if he does anything, like, he'll be surpassing expectations. And then he nearly scores. And then he does score. Mm-hmm. And then almost scores again later in the second half. Like, he could have had a hat trick. Yeah. And the the reaction in the press box was kind of crazy, to be honest. Like, when he scored, everybody was kind of freaking out. They were like... It was like laughter. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> it, was, it, was just so, it was just so unbelievable that, like, Dom Dwyer, of all people, <laughs> signs for Atlanta United comes on scores like a pretty important goal like it's like right on the stroke at halftime right that would that really did change the vibe going into halftime yeah from a one goal lead to a two goal lead mm-hmm. for sure and yeah it was just just the fact that it's Dom Dwyer like I, I still honestly can't really believe it but you and know assisted by Joseph Martinez like just the combo of those two yeah it's like, yeah and you know I think in this game Dom Dwyer was mostly playing on the right wing more as like a like for like sub for a uh, Louise but you know, we can get into this later, but in the post-game press conference, uh, Pineda said that he doesn't want to play in a two-striker system because, you know, you lose that 
numerical superiority in the midfield or, you know, other areas of the field. So, you know, we, as I said, we can get into this a bit later, but I think it's just going to be interesting to see how, um, you know, Pineda deals with Luis's injury and, you know, how maybe Dom can factor into that. I mean, you know, more players are coming back from injury and, you know, visa issues and stuff like that. So I guess we'll have to just see how it plays out, but definitely an option there for Atlanta. Um, right. And then going into the second half, um, Atlanta held, held that two-goal lead uh, all the way towards the, until towards the end, Sporting Kansas City working their way back into it. Daniel Salui getting on the board in the 85th minute with that uh, volley off a corner kick. Um, and then from there, a 2-1 game, you know, 2-0, most dangerous lead. So for a second there, Kansas City looked to be in control and searching for an equalizer. And then Caleb Wiley subbed on immediate impact sub, uh, just coming in, really making, making his presence felt, and then getting that through ball from Moreno and getting it around Tim Melia. Like, just insane to see a homegrown player. And really all around the homegrowns were impressive to me. Um, George Campbell, Tyler Wolf, all really, like, we saw them feature in preseason. And we didn't get to see them against the same type of competition. We saw them against Birmingham. We saw them against uh, Georgia Revolution. But to see them in an MLS environment on opening day in front of 70,000 Putting shifts like that in was just incredible to see. Yeah, and just quickly on that, you know, the Daniel Shallowy and Caleb Wiley goal, like when when SKC scored in the press box, there was like this feeling of, ooh, is Atlanta going to blow this? Because last season that was so often the storyline, like Atlanta couldn't hold on to a lead or they were conceding late goals to, you know, give up points. And, you know, Caleb Wiley, that goal, you can't really write it better than that. I mean, coming on his MLS debut – First ever game in an MLS, you know, first ever MLS game, and just coming on to secure the three points. That the pace that he showed to get past uh, Graham Susie, like you said in the last <laughs> episode, that he's like a walking corpse at this point. Like he, <laughs> Caleb Wiley, kind of, you know, he showed that he is a fast kid, and he mm. he just sped past, uh, sped past him. So yeah, great great performance. And in the post match press conference, he he seemed a bit more nervous in there than he was on the field. It was kind of crazy, but yeah. Awesome to see that from him, especially considering how long he's been in the Atlanta system, you know, as a youth player. I believe he was like in their youngest age group when the when the academy was first formed in like 2015. So it's, it's just an awesome story. And, you know, one of the many storylines that hopefully will continue to flush out throughout the season. Um, you, you were mentioning the homegrown players, George Campbell, Tyler Wolf, of course, Caleb Wiley. Um, just anything else you wanted to say on that? Uh, I could add, uh, looking at FootMob, uh, their player ratings, they gave George Campbell man of the match with an 8.3. Um, his, he ha- says he has four out of five accurate long balls, like 80% accuracy in that regard. Um, really, the pa- like long passes out of the back towards Luis Arruju, Tyler Wolf, Andrew Gutman going down the left um, to like spring attacks, I thought, was a really big part of uh, LA and tactical performance. Um, and I, I kind of want to dig into Andrew Gutman's performance too because he was named man of the match. He His performance, like, you know, we're, we're both UGA students. We know Georgia football, RBU. It might not roll off the tongue, but LA United, left back FC. Like, <laughs> left back FC. Just, gr- just turning out left backs left and right. Like, Andrew Gutman 
like we we knew he would be a big factor judging by his pre preseason performances, but really he was all over the place down the left, winning tackles, uh, sending in crosses. Like really couldn't ask for a better attacking option on the left. Yeah, he had he had that one Julian Gressel esque cross. You know, <laughs> I think it like skipped past Joseph and like almost found yeah. his way to Dom, but he couldn't put that one in. So. Yeah, and speaking of Joseph, his game was a little bit different uh, last weekend. Really playing more as the assist man, just trying to play flick on through balls for Luis Arujo, uh, Dom Dwyer when he came on, uh, Tyler Wolf. Anyone overlapping, he was there to provide for them. And he really made good on that. Got two assists on the opening two goals. Um, yeah, so although he might not be the, like, goal scorer we came to love back in 17, 18. He's still putting in the work on the field um, in one way or another, which is really exciting to see him not being the only goal scorer as much as we love him. Having alternate options to score goals is a big piece of an MLS Cup caliber winning team. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that, you know, moving forward, Joseph is going to start getting on the score sheet. Like, he had that one opportunity yeah. that, it bounced off like a def it deflected off a defender's like ankle or foot or something, and it like went right over the crossbar. So, I you know I think just because he's getting these assists and he's creating these opportunities doesn't mean that he won't have these options himself. Like, you know, when Brooks Lennon came on, he was sending in some pretty good crosses. Like the service into the box was pretty good. So I I, I think you know as the season progresses and Joseph starts, you know he's I feel like he's still in a way recovering from that ACL injury. You know whether it be mentally or physically. Um, you know, it's a long season, so hopefully he'll he'll start getting on the score sheet as well. But it doesn't hurt when he's able to contribute the assist, like you said. You know, it's good to have those other options around the field that can put the ball in the back of the net. Right, really take the pressure off of him. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big, you know, loss with Luis Araujo because you, you have to think that he's going to be putting up some big numbers this season. Luckily, it's only a four-week, you know, time frame that he'll hopefully be missing. So, you know... Like, like you said, goal contributions all around the field doesn't hurt the team at all. And now we can look forward to previewing this Saturday's action. LA United heading out to Commerce City, Colorado to take on the Colorado Rapids. Um, to start off with, we can look at the status of the players last week, um, whether they're back or not. So Marcelino Moreno, Brooks Lennon, they're listed as questionable last week, still listen, listed as questionable this week, but both of them appeared off the bench and put in some pretty good performances. So I should expect them to feature, if they're not starting, at least get subbed on, make minute, have minutes there. Uh, Sosa, Barra, and Almada still working on Visa and green cards. All are still questionable, but none have featured in training this week. So I would say not likely that we see them on Saturday. Alan Franco. He served his red card suspension that last game, so he is back available to start. So now the question arises, who starts alongside Miles Robinson this game, Alan Franco or George Campbell? Kyle, do you have any thoughts on that? Really, I don't because I have no idea what Pineda's thinking. Like, you know, I've heard some people suggest that it's Franco's job to lose and it, Campbell has to be the one to earn his spot in that starting lineup. And, you know, if that's the logic, then, you know, Franco could be starting against Colorado but considering, you know, he wasn't in that first game, and I thought Campbell did pretty pretty well in that first game, so I feel like it, he would feel hard done if he loses that loses that position. 
really, I think it's just a case of just seeing what happens. I, I don't think there's really any way to predict who could, who you know, who will be starting alongside Miles, but I, I feel comfortable with whoever it is, to be honest. Campbell, he brings that security with him to the game. Jason Longshore was pointing out recently that, you know, towards the end of Sunday's opener, Campbell was being extremely vocal. He was, you know, organizing the defense. So I think either way, you know, Atlanta will be will be fine for the most part. Yeah, I'd agree. And I wouldn't mind seeing Campbell. It seems to me like he earned that start. Uh, his only real moment of weakness, uh, he was dispossessed one time in the back line and Kansas City had a chance on goal they couldn't convert. Um, but other than that, he looked very strong in the back. Um, Alan Franco, I feel like he could come in as a sub, maybe try to see a comparison, get some at least like 30 minutes in or so, um, and really see that position battle. But it's a position battle that I really like to see uh, where we have those options in the back line where, like you said, no matter what, no, no matter what happens, you're comfortable with it. And then if injuries arise, if selection issues arise, then you have players like that to fall back on. Uh, other players that were on the injury report last week, Jackson Conway, he made the 18 against Kansas City, did not feature. Uh, Machop Chol, Emerson Hindman, and now Luis Aruju all listed as missing out, absent from injury for this weekend's game. Um, you can move into how Atlanta will respond to Aruju's absence in the lineup. Uh, there are some options. We can see Dom Dwyer come back in and play as Atlanta did for most of the game against Sporting Kansas City, which they played very well, so that would not be a bad option. Yeah, um, um, sorry to interject, yeah, but like ahead. regarding Aruju, like I wrote an article for Dirty South Soccer, so you should definitely check that out if you're listening, but I talked about, you know, how he contributes to the press that Atlanta wants to execute, um, you know, obviously his attacking quality. I do think there are a few different options that, Pineda does have. I, I saw that um, Greg Gowder, you guys might know him as film fan on, on the DSS website. He does a lot of Atlanta United 2 coverage, um, academy coverage, stuff like that. But he mentioned that Brooks Lennon, and we saw this in the game, Brooks Lennon came in on that right side towards the end of the match and he gives you like, he gives you that energy and he gives you that, that tenacity and that grit and he will go out wide and he'll stretch the field a little bit. He's he's different in, he's different compared to Adouju in that way in the sense that you know, Louise is cutting in, and he's it's more of a narrow formation when he's on the field. But with Brooks Lennon, you know, he can stretch the field. He'll go, he'll go out wide and hopefully send in some good crosses. Um, so I, I do think there are a couple of different ways that the team could deal with it. Like you mentioned, Dom Dwyer coming on. I don't know how many you know opportunities he's going to get this season, but you know, obviously we'll have to see with all these injuries and missing players. So right, I think you do have to give him credit for his performance last week, and if the opportunity is there for him to start, especially coming off of a goal-scoring performance. Uh, you can give him that opportunity to continue in good form. Another option, I think, that is potential, maybe not as likely as Dwyer or Lennon, but Marcelino Moreno, back from injury, he's featured at right wing, uh, according to Transfer Market, 22 appearances at the right wing position. So he could be an option. Uh, we know his dribbling skill. We know his speed uh, could be a... Another option for Gonzalo Pineda uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, and in some the last bit of other roster news, uh, Justin Garces and Efraim Morales loaned down to Atlanta United 2 for the season. 
Um, really not room for them to play. All their positions seem pretty stacked, um, especially with Justin Garces and the goalkeeper. LA United's bench had two goalkeepers uh, last weekend, neither of which were Justin Garces. So for him to get minutes in Atlanta to in USL Championship uh, is great for his development. And now moving into Colorado, uh, Atlanta United 3-0-0 all-time, unbeaten record, uh, never been scored on by Colorado, another knock on wood there, another stat. However, like Sporting Kansas City, they're an opponent we haven't seen in a minute. The last game, a 1-0 win at home, Back in 2019, uh, and the last time Atlanta United traveled to Colorado, a 3-0 win on uh, September 15th, 2018, pre-MLS Cup. Uh, Miguel Almiron with a brace and Tito Vialba scored past Tim Howard to give Atlanta United the lead. Uh, oh, how things change. <laughs> oh, how things change. If you don't feel old, now you do. <laughs> Uh, we all know Atlanta United's performance in snow games. Uh, back that second game, going to Minnesota United uh, in the snow and coming out with a it was six one if I remember correctly. Um, so we all know Joseph loves some snow. Uh, got that hat trick out there. So another uh, snowy day. We know like the U.S. national team, the snow classico. Uh, always fun when you get to see the orange ball, and hopefully. Atlanta and I can adapt to those conditions as, we, as we've seen them do uh, previously. So now that all the Atlanta United stuff is out of the way, um, let's hear from Matt Pollard. You can find him on Twitter at LWOS, Matt Pollard. He is the host of Holding the High Line podcast, and he is the site manager and beat reporter covering the Rapids for Last Word on Soccer. Um, just wanted to say thanks to Matt for, you know, hopping onto the podcast, first ever guest for United Talk. And, you know, obviously he had never heard of me before, so he was really willing to just, you know, make the interview work and hop on at a, you know, late late hours last night. But it was a great, great conversation, great interview. So, uh, yeah, tune in. Before we get into the interview, here's a quick ad break. You know, last year, Colorado's performances, they kind of, you know, they finished first in the in the West. They had a really successful season. Do you see that more as a flash in the pan type of thing, or do you see that as do you see Colorado continuing that growth in the future? Uh, they definitely, from a regular season standpoint, that's their high water mark. I think they overachieved for the talent that they had. I also think, especially, and that was evident on decision day that I think the Rapids benefited from Seattle underperforming and to a certain extent sporting Kansas City also underperforming I guess if the if the root question is do I think the Rapids will be finishing first in the Western Conference no and I would have told you that on decision day last year as well that being said last year was I think you know the first full season of Robin Frazier, who came in halfway through 2019. And then obviously 2020 was what it was. And so we got a full 34 game season of him, of the Rapids way, Pork Smith, the general manager cooking, and really this new, the two kind of cores of the team are kind of the older late twenties, early thirties group. And then the younger core that's had some changes with Sam Vines, um, Cole Bassett, and then now Austin trustee leaving as well. But we've seen 2021 was definitely the proof of concept of the Rapids way and the evolution that the club's been under. And I think Rapids fans are just hoping that that leads to sustainable progress, not a, uh, you know, rolling, <clears throat> not a revolving door of coaches and then changing of players and really bad decisions. So uh, the quote that we often hear Porrick Smith say in his media stuff is, um, 
you know, we want to be, be a perennial playoff team. We want to bring a second MLS Cup back to Colorado. So just the simple fact that we're looking at a team that I still believe is going to make the playoffs. So three straight years with the Rapids making the playoffs is a massive improvement. Yeah, as far as this season goes, you know, how is it so far from for Colorado? Obviously, you know, it's not the best start to the season. In terms of player personnel, though, what is what is the roster looking like this year compared to last season? Uh, very similar to last year. They brought back the main core that they have. The two main changes that you would have had um, would have effectively been a, a line change in the midfield. So Cole Bassett on loan with an option to buy to Firenord and then Max Alves de Silva coming in from Flamengo for a $1 million transfer fee. And then similarly, basically swapping of Acostas, though there's been a lot of trepidation about whether or not Kellen and Brian Acosta are similar or different players, or if the midfield is just going to play differently because of those two players in uh, the other one big uh, loss that you had from the season would have been Dom Baji, who the Rapids acquired in the summer from Nashville scored five goals, which was high by a rapid striker and half a season standpoint who obviously took a payday to sit on the bench for Cincinnati. So, um, you know, the, the teams are still very similar, but at the same time, some of the, the underlying strengths are still there and also the key underlying weakness in the lack of a, you know, reliable goal score up top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've, we've kind of seen, you know, that lack of a reliable goal score up top kind of play out so far this season. Um, you know, the Rapids have been shut out in two of their three games and they suffered a pretty, you know, tough loss against LAFC on opening day, um, 3-0 defeat, Carlos Vela hat-trick. What was the main takeaway from that performance, and how do you expect the team to respond on Saturday against Atlanta? Uh, the main takeaway from that performance is uh, the Rapids don't play well at Bank of California Stadium. They were playing a team in a revenge situation, and they exhausted themselves physically and emotionally in Snow Classical 4 on Wednesday. Um, you know, I don't know, Kyle, how much you actually pay attention. The Rapids have ever never actually won at the bank they normally don't start well and then as soon as LAFC scores their first goal it's just kind of open floodgates so you know Lal Sububakar goes in for a slide tackle to cut down the angle on the cross the person providing the cost of cross of of course, is Kellen Acosta because the MLS script writers have a sense of humor. It goes off his hand, penalty, Carlos Vela slots through. I'm like, okay, I know how there's only one way this is going. Um, I'll be disappointed, but I won't necessarily be surprised. In terms of the response, I think a full week of them just focusing now in on MLS, getting a few things tighter in terms of uh, what they're trying to do from an attacking standpoint. The Rapids historically in the attack have never really started off well. So can the pressing be a little bit better? Can the uh, uh, passing out of the back be a little bit better and they've yet to do anything really venomous on set pieces so I'd like to see that as well we saw similar to pretty much every time they play Carlos Vela the gap control and spatial awareness with him can be great for 89 minutes and really bad on three plays and those three plays lead to three goals Vela did start in a central forward role in a 4-3-3 kind of similar to what Joseph Martinez might be doing so maybe this is kind of a good timing in terms of the film review and things that they'll be trying to correct and then playing a similar style player in a similar formation on Saturday mm -hmm. you mentioned two there were two things in there that you mentioned that I found interesting one was you know Atlanta's pressing the other was the set pieces um Obviously, you know, Luis Araujo, he picked up an injury in the opener against SKC, and I think he's a really big part of what Atlanta wants to do in terms of pressing. What's the what's the conversation like around Luis Araujo's absence from the Colorado perspective? 
Um, I think it's something that's beneficial. I think there's, uh, you know, I think certainly it's going to make life a little bit easier for the Rapids to pass out of the back. They're ones that like to move it quickly. And then particularly, I think that's just, that's just going to make life a little bit easier for Austin Trusty would be the center back playing on the Rapids left side to Arujo playing on the right. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, and then normally he'll either pass up to Lucas Estevez or then pass centrally to Jack Price. And so just, you know, a little bit, you know, a half second difference or, you know, a change of an angle or anything creates a little bit more space. And then it gets to, I would argue the two most forward thinking passers out of the back for the Rapids in Estevez as the left wing back. And then Jack Price is kind of the regista in the midfield. So um, it'll make it easier for the Rapids center backs to find those two players and then move forward. That's something we've seen the Rapids kind of struggle with. They've been okay getting into a good position. And then obviously, as you've seen, they've been terrible in terms of actually executing in the final third. If it just makes it a little bit easier, especially at altitude, maybe with Atlanta playing a little bit more defensively as well. It'll just be easier for them to get into good areas, whether or not they're able to convert with Estevez pinging it across, them getting a set piece, Max or Mark Anthony K doing something from a central role still to be seen given what Ozzy Alonso historically has been able to do at DSG. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I wanted to go over is like, you know, the set pieces. I think that set pieces for Atlanta is one of their biggest issues. You know, last season in the playoff loss to NYCFC, that's how Atlanta conceded the two goals in that game, it was just offset pieces. Um, they were caught sleeping, basically. And I saw that Jack Price, you know, he was tied um, tied for fourth in MLS with 12 assists last year, eight from set pieces. Um, just how big of a component is that of Colorado's game? Internally with the Rapids media, and it's almost become a meme on holding the high line is that, okay, the Rapids don't have a DP striker. Their DP goal scorer is set pieces. So I guess, in, um, you know, it's, it's a big deal. I would argue Jack Price is top five, possibly top three in terms of corner delivery in this league. <clears throat> they have three really good center backs who are capable of finding the ball. I'll say on both sides. So uh, Lal Sabubakar, Danny Wilson, going Scottish Sam, and then Austin Trusty can all find the air. And while Diego Rubio isn't the tallest of players, nor is he the most vertical of them. Um, he's very good. He's kind of Fox in the boxy kind of um, being able to find a little bit of space when the ball is coming in and make a run usually to the near post while the center backs will normally be either right in front of goal or to the back post as well. We talked about this on HTHL, but I'm kind of curious to see how Atlanta kind of handles that miles Robinson for me. I mean, at least with the national team, I thought has been excellent both on defensive and offensive set pieces. So is he marked one V one with somebody? If so, who is it? For me, Danny Wilson's the most effective set piece attacker with the with his head of the Colorado Rapids. So do they go more of a zonal marking? Do they do something a little bit more um, man-to-man? I think is something that I'll be looking for early on, especially if the Rapids get a corner in like the first five minutes. Um, and then another thing for me, Kyle, to kind of think about is the ball moves a little bit differently at altitude. There's a number of problems, obviously, that ha- come with being in altitude. And one thing that we always look for um, in the Rapids community is when's the last time an Eastern Conference team has played at altitude? There hasn't been a lot of cross-conference play. So I looked this up this week. It was May of 2019. Atlanta would have played at RSL uh, and RSL won that game 2-1. So combine that with maybe not having to deal with this from a fitness standpoint anytime recently. It's also going to be really cold, uh, you know, certainly below freezing throughout much of the game as well. And then if the ball is just moving a little bit differently, that might be enough of an advantage for Danny Wilson to beat Miles Robinson and then find a hole through Brad Guzon. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, just look at the bigger picture again. So you know, obviously it hasn't been a great start for Colorado this season. Home opener is a big chance for, you know, the Rapids to kind of turn it around. 
So what do you think is more important, you know, just personally for you, what's more important, like a win, no matter what, no matter how you get it, or just like a good performance, like what would you take? I mean, I guess you would probably take the win, but yeah, I take the, I guess in terms of the, in terms of the greater narrative, you know, I, I said this on soccer down here earlier this week, like I'd say most of Rapids Twitter is at like a DEFCON two, like they're convinced like, okay, they play Atlanta. If Joseph Martinez gets a hat trick and then they've got Kansas city next week as well, going into that, um, you know, it could be really bad. Like this is, this team is teetering on, can they put in a good performance to kickstart the start of the season or are they legitimately going to miss the playoffs? Um, so I guess to answer your question directly, I would take the performance because that's an indication that you know ccl was an outlier because of who they played and how they played and just a little bit of rust and other things they were figuring out and obviously saturday was a massive outlier because you know like carlos fell is going to do that to like you know in he's going to do that to 90 percent of the teams in this league so okay you know so nashville is going to be able to go in there and get a 1-1 draw with like 30 percent possession that's a game most teams are going to end up losing i think if if the rapids continue to perform well and if lafc you know ends up being a playoff team like they certainly looked on saturday that loss is going to age particularly well but i think if the performances don't pick up these are home games against an eastern conference team that hasn't played at altitude you have to try and get those points and i don't know that atlanta's go, going to go to every single west conference team on the road and pick up three points so i take the better performance because it's an indication that the first three games of the season were a blip not a trend yeah so what is one matchup and you know it can be like a positional matchup or just a one-on-one matchup what's one matchup that you think is going to be like important in this game um, if I had to pick like positionally, like midfield attack, uh, defense or anything, I think the midfield something that's going to be really interesting for me. I know, um, I was, uh, checking in with uh, a few of the guys from the Atlanta journal constitution. I think there's some visa issues maybe with a couple of midfielders. So I don't know what that midfield is going to look. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Atlanta played some of the kids last week and they looked absolutely fantastic. Um, so I think the midfield's the real strength for the Colorado Rapids, you know, Mark Anthony K who's been great since coming back from the Canadian national team, Jack Price, who's obviously the captain we just talked about him and max has had a really good showing early on and then off the bench if you want a destroyer it's brian acosta if you want somebody who's going to be uh you know mr energy kind of football's life it's nicholas mosquito uh you know and then colin warner can also be very effective as well so i think the the game is going to hinge on the midfield the rapids did not do good enough in the midfield in the first leg against communicaciones and then gradually it was just a, it was just a matter of sifu running rough shot over the rapids into the second half on saturday if i had to pick like an individual 1v1 matchup. I'd kind of be curious to know your thoughts. I thought Andrew Gutman last year for Red Bulls was fantastic as a center back, and I saw he played out left, so naturally he would match up against Michael Barrios. Barrios normally against a taller, slightly slower guy has been effective, but maybe he's a little bit more defensive, and we've seen when an opponent puts numbers behind the ball, Barrios doesn't have any space to go in behind, and it's largely ineffective go back and look at the playoff game against Portland. Look at the, basically the entire time that uh, Los Cremas were down a man in the second leg. And then certainly through the um, final 30 minutes against LAFC. So if Gutman's a stay at home left back, if you will, um, what's that matchup is Barrios, you know, coming in a little bit more inside and then trying to get around him. Is there any space for actually him to run in behind? That's the other kind of, that's the other catalyst of the Rapids attack that we haven't really seen come through mainly because the game state has had it to where the opponent has always been able to put numbers behind the ball yeah as far as Gutman goes um you know he he's kind of stepped into this Atlanta United system and I think he's you know adjusted really well he's 
he he's really physical. I think personally, he's an upgrade over George Bello just based on where they are at right now at this moment in time. You know, who knows what George Bello will go on to do, but right now I think Gutman is a better fit for the system. I think he's going to go forward um, quite a bit. So I think there might be some space, but you know, it's an away, it's Atlanta's first away game of the season and it's a Western conference matchup. So I don't really know exactly what Pineda is going to do in, in terms of, you know, how much freedom the fullbacks have to go up and attack. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting to see for sure. And, you know, you've already mentioned a lot of these players, you know, on the Rapids, but who's like, if you had to pick one player for an Atlanta fan who doesn't really know the Rapids that well, who's like one player that you would tell them to keep an eye on in this match? I'm going to assume an Atlanta fan is probably regularly watching the United States men's national team. So is already seeing Mark Anthony K in the two games against Canada in world cup qualifications. So I guess the obviously newcomer to MLS, I think would be max, obviously who's going to be in a central midfield, more of a 10 than an eight, the Rapids internally, when they talk about their three man midfield, they say a six and two eights. I would argue K is more of the, six-ish eight and then max would be more of the 10-ish eight if that makes any sense mm -hmm. so i would highlight him and then lucas estevez um as well who's been uh fantastic you know uh the rapid sold sam vines robin frazier was kind of talking about last summer during the gold cup uh experimenting with who is going to come in and fill that role and they put austin trusty out there maybe similar to what uh gutman's going to be uh has been or maybe will continue to do for atlanta and then they come in and you know sign lucas estevez um 19 year old brazilian and he comes in and he's basically the exact same player as Sam Vines just two years earlier and it's been fantastic so maybe uh maybe it's going to be some some South American duels on Saturday with the Argentinians versus the the Rapids Brazilians absolutely um here my last question for you uh this is from Ethan King who our only question from Twitter so you know I had to get this in here for him but um you know this is more of an Atlanta United centric question but he's he's asking basically he's asking do you think Colorado success even with you know the amount that they spend compared to Atlanta, do you think that kind of indicts Atlanta in a way? Because, you know, over the last two years, Atlanta really hasn't had that much success. Um, not necessarily. I mean, th there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like if you're talking about, there's plenty of teams in MLS that spend a whole lot of money and aren't successful. And then there's plenty that do that aren't, that are successful. And then there's the more frugal teams that have been successful as well. You know, I guess the standard bearer from, uh, the case of the cheaper teams would be sporting Kansas city. I think if you're not a team in a situation where you're playing in an NFL stadium with a big owner that's spending, or you're a team in a big market, like I would say the LA teams are capable of being, and well, won't touch the New York teams because of both of their stadium situations, if you ask me, you know, but I mean, you know, we've seen the LA Galaxy spend a whole bunch of money and they haven't been able to sign a good center back in the last three years. And that's completely derailed them as well. FC Cincinnati spends a whole lot of money and they're apps, they're flaming hot garbage. So, you know, I think to be successful in MLS, there's a few things that you have to get right. And there's like three things that you absolutely have to get right that no designated player outside of uh, Joseph Martinez, Carlos Vela, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic are going to be able to paper over more than a six months of a season and probably aren't going to make you okay for the whole of the season. You have to be able to do good work in terms of domestic moves that you're making. You have to see value in the draft and what you're doing with the homegrown system. And then you have to be able to find maybe not bargains, the right word, but the mid-level contracts and everything. You know, there are teams in this league um, going back prior to Atlanta who had three designated players, hit on all three of them, were all good financial decisions and still weren't able to make the playoffs because they didn't draft well. The head coach didn't have a good idea from the tactical standpoint, and they didn't have good glue players in terms of those MLS veteran guys making three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars. And so, I think what we've seen is Atlanta 
I would argue, even though I know the, there's still some sticker shock from what happened with Barco, I would argue in the long run, ultimately, he was able to find success in Major League Soccer. Joseph, for my money, I think if he stays in MLS for the next five years, will be the highest goal scorer in the history of this league. He's going to break Wando and Donovan's record, respectively. But, you know, Atlanta hasn't always drafted well. They've made some poor head coaching decisions and everything, and that has been able to completely derail them. You know, but you see, I think Gonzalo's an absolutely fantastic head coach, and he could be successful with them Ozzy Alonso right on par with like a Jeff Lorenowitz style move um you know Michael Parkhurst you know was really good and I haven't seen a lot of really good I'll say in the second era the post uh Tata Martino era of Atlanta I'm not sure that I've seen the same level of good inner domestic moves and then maybe just thinking oh if we spend 10 million on a guy and his market value is 10 million he's going to be good even if he's not necessarily a good fit I do think the club's headed into a good situation Um, I picked them to finish first in the Eastern Conference Um, and as we've seen in the absence of that basically you have to get a lot of other things right and you can be a team that gets a home playoff game without spending big on a DP or any DP in the case of the Raptors and be successful so how do you do that good homegrown options Cole Bassett Sam Vines um you know more recently now um Ali LaRoz who's coming out for the midfield you have to be able to draft well the Rapids just signed their center back who could replace Austin Trusty when he ends up leaving for Arsenal in the summer obviously what they've done with Andre Shinoshiki every single year the Rapids pick up somebody who is a productive member of the 18 in a year or two from the MLS Super Draft and you have to make shrewd moves domestically Lawless Abubakar acquired from Columbus Crew Mark Anthony Kay acquired from LAFC when he was kind of off the scrap he's and then Michael Barrios they got for a song and he had the most goal contract contributions on the team so you can still be successful in MLS even if you're not spending big I would argue still just based on what we've seen from MLS Cup champions there's clearly a ceiling to what the Colorado sporting Kansas City's to a lesser extent certainly a Philadelphia or a Montreal are capable of achieving but you can hit on two designated players like Cincinnati and still win the wind spoon if you do nothing else right I think Atlanta's doing a number of things right I think the Rapids have done all of the non-DP stuff better than Atlanta the last three seasons Great. Well, thanks for the time, Matt. That's a, that was a really good answer. That was, that was a really good answer. Um, yeah. Thanks for the time, man. I, I really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. And I, I hope that was informational, Ethan. I, I scrolled through that, uh, that tweet when you posted it, Kyle. So I, I had a little bit of time to think about it. That was not a Matt Pollard off the cuff <laughs> thing, but uh, you know, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on first ever guest on a United talk. So that's an honor you can carry with you for the rest of your life. So. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Appreciate it. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to tag you and just, you know, in case you want to listen back yeah, to it. I'll, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely happy to hit the retweet button. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Um, have fun on Saturday and good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good night, man. Thanks. You too. So great conversation with Matt. Um, a lot of insightful stuff there. Definitely check him out on Twitter. Like I said, um, and now we're going to transition into a segment we might be doing on a regular basis, who knows, but fantasy talk, you know, Jackson is a big fantasy guy. I'm not really as into fantasy, trying to get more into it. So Jackson, take it away. Right. Uh, personally, I am a non-recovering fantasy addict of the last, shoot, what, seven years. Um, yeah, not to, not to brag, not to boast or anything, but uh, 241 overall right now uh, in the DSS League eighth place. We had a solid week last week. Uh, yeah, 106 points total. Uh, Carlos Vela, Lucas Zellerion, really big earners for me. Yeah, and looking ahead to this week, um, in terms of fantasy picks, Carlos Heel, Lucas Zellerion, uh, Carlos Vela, always, always point earners there. Uh, and I'm really high on Chicharito this week, uh, going to Charlotte. 
Uh, Charlotte, not the best outing from them uh, against DC. And with the Galaxy coming to town, I don't see their odds uh, much higher from that. Uh, banking hard on the Austin FC defense um, at home. Really, the beginning of season, you just bank on the home teams. Uh, usually works out very well for you there. Um, and then another interesting option that I thought, uh, or another in, another option that I thought was interesting was uh, Minnesota United midfielder, um, I don't know how you say his last name, Laud Lode, um, had a big-time bonus point contribution last game. And looking at the bonus points is, I think, a key measure of the best fantasy players because you don't want to bank too hard on goals and assists. I mean, when a player's in form, he's in form, goal scoring, uh, get on, you really bank on them hard like Carlos Vela. But constant bonus point earners uh, are big to get you those like steady high floor points. Um, so those are a few of my options this week. Uh, and if you're tuning in, I appreciate you so much. I'll let you in on a few of my resources that I use weekly for the scoops. So uh, maybe your fantasy performances can improve as well. Thanks to our podcast. Um, of course, MLSFantasyBoss.com uh, is always churning out great content. They have a podcast. They have um, power rankings, picks, all that stuff. And another really good website that I use, uh, MLSCheatSheet.com has a whole database of players with like projected point totals and um, different metrics there. And that's really helpful to find yourself some really under the radar picks that might be uh, differentials in your fantasy week. And then to wrap things up, uh, our shout out of the week uh, this week, as some of you might've seen, Greg Garza was present at the match on Sunday Um just chilling around, walking around the concourse in an OG Five Stripes kit. Um, reliving the glory days, <laughs> you could say. Do you, think, um, do you think he was wearing his own jersey? Yeah, the big like question there. He was wearing, he's wearing a jacket over it. And so you really can't tell if it's his kit. I mean, I'm sure he has multiple. And, like, why buy another one? <laughs> yeah, especially when that's probably the best one in the club's history. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, that's uh, honestly, I think that's a boss move though. Like, imagine being able to pull up to the Mercedes Benz in your own jersey, like that you used to wear in the games there. That's, I think that's pretty cool. So, yeah, another mini shout out that I'd like to add as a Statesboro boy, as a Tormenta homer, on Monday they announced the signing of a former Tottenham Hotspur forward with <laughs> who made an appearance in the Champions League. Like, I'm just laughing. Like, it just it's a sentence that doesn't make sense. Um Kaziah Sterling, former Tottenham Hotspur, he's made first team minutes, he's scored, uh played alongside Harry Kane, Dele Ali, and now he's in Statesboro, Georgia. Just sometimes the world just doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, look really high on that. I've been thinking about that all week, just looking forward to that. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear the story of like how they actually recruited him and like convinced him to come to like the USL and you know just yeah, the United States when he's like in the Tottenham set, like set up and playing in Champions League like I feel like that'd be interesting to you know get some uh, background information on that's pretty cool 
So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, second episode of United Talk on the Dirty South Soccer podcast feed. Um, the game tomorrow is going to be at Dick Sporting Goods Stadium, or sorry, Dick Sporting Goods Park. Uh, kickoff is scheduled for 6 p.m. EST. And, you know, the Rapids, they, you know, they're coming off a successful, relatively successful 2021 season, but, you know, it's been a tough start for them this season. So obviously they're going to be hoping for a good result, a good performance. Um, obviously Atlanta's going to be wanting the same thing. And I think it's going to be an interesting test, you know, going to the Western Conference for the first time in probably over like two years at this point. I don't even know. Time has no meaning, but <laughs> should should be a good game. I won't be able to watch the game because I am going on vacation tomorrow. So, I, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch it live. Hopefully, I can catch a replay before um, before we come back next week. But do you have, like, a score prediction or anything you want to throw out there? Yeah, I think Colorado coming off of that performance in L.A., uh, taking the 0-3 defeat. Um, I think it'll be different. Colorado at home. MLS teams are always better at home. Um, I still think that Atlanta United will have a strong performance again, despite Luis Aruju's absence. And I will go with uh, 2-1 to Atlanta. I think we can conti- Atlanta can continue to uh, put together more wins, stay undefeated. I know we're only two weeks in, but always love to see that. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.